You're listening to Yap Snacks, a series of bite-sized content hosted by me, Hala Taha. Today, we're going to be talking about negotiating. In life and at work, negotiating is one of the least talked about subjects, but one of the most important ways to get ahead. And negotiation doesn't just pertain to work. It's really any conversation in which you are steering a relationship, whether it's asking for a raise or asking your partner to take out the trash, negotiation and confrontation happen more frequently than we think. When it comes to negotiation, Americans are not at the top of their game. In fact, according to a recent LinkedIn survey, whether it's asking for a raise or closing a business deal, more than 40% of U.S. employees don't feel confident in their negotiation skills. And 25% of U.S. employees say they've never even negotiated at all in the workplace. So why is it so hard for us to ask for what we want and deserve? In most cases, we're afraid to negotiate because we're afraid of getting a no. We're afraid of not feeling understood or heard by whoever is at the other end of the table. Negotiating is hard, especially when you may not feel comfortable taking risks or rocking the boat. But there's an art to negotiating, and you can master it with a few simple tricks and guidelines. I've talked with some of the world's most famous negotiators on my show, and in this Yap Snack, we're going to take their actionable advice and get you negotiating like a pro. Let's get into it. Step one, prepare for your negotiation. First things first, before a negotiation, we need to get into the right mindset and prepare talking points. Negotiations begin before you even step in the room. It begins with you. Feeling confident, getting clear, and knowing you are worthy of what you're asking for is the first step. Look in the mirror and tell yourself why you deserve what you're asking for. Think about why you're great and what makes you great. Write down exactly what you want and the points that will justify what you want. In terms of mindset, if you want to be super proactive, you can even start a confidence journal. That's where you jot down all your wins or the negotiations you did well in. And before any big meeting or negotiation, you can review your confidence journal and try to channel the feeling and mindset you were in when you achieved that win so you can give yourself a confidence boost and get into the right mindset before you even step into the room. Studies show that if you go into a negotiation having just thought about a previous success, you're more likely to perform better. And here's the most important tip. The critical question to ask yourself before going into any negotiation is what problem am I trying to solve? I talked to Alex Carter, the world's leading female negotiation expert about these critical first steps. And here's what she had to say. Having now coached so many diplomats, executives, judges, HR professionals, I found that the number one mistake that people made was they thought the negotiation started the moment they sat down with somebody else. And at that point, you have missed at least half of what makes it work. What they missed was they didn't negotiate the relationship with themselves first. And so before you sit down, you have to take a look in the mirror to really prepare yourself and to know what you're doing when you get to the table. And the best way to do that is to ask questions. So let me give you two questions that are critical for people, especially right now at this time as they're negotiating. So, and I'll I'll tell a story for each one. So the, the first is a company that came to me and they said, Alex, this is back in May, 
we just lost an entire segment of our business and we're going to be short on revenue for June. And so we need your help because we're going to blast our whole Rolodex to try to get some new clients in the door. And I stopped them and I asked them the first question and asked for more, which is, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Because, you know, especially in a crisis, I think people start spinning and they immediately want to throw everything against the wall to see what's going to stick. But what I asked this client was, what's the problem you want to solve here? Are you just trying to bring revenue in the door for June at any cost? Or are you trying to figure out how to pivot your business? Are you trying to figure out your best yeses for here and beyond? In which case, we're not blasting 2,000 people. We're sending targeted pitches to five or 10 defining the right problem. The second scenario is a very senior person at an organization who told me that she was really great at negotiating for other people, but really struggled to do it for herself. And so I told her to ask the question from chapter four of Ask For More, which is, how have I handled this successfully in the past? Do you know that if you go into a negotiation having just thought about a prior success, you're likely to perform better. And so often we're going in doing exactly the opposite, right? We're going in thinking, oh God, last time this didn't go well or I messed this up. No, think about a prior success and write down in detail how you achieved it. Because here's the thing, if you are great for the company, right? I want you to write down how you are great, what makes you great, and then you can take those strategies and use them on yourself. Mm. I think that's excellent advice. And I love that, um, you know, your advice there about writing down, you know, past negotiations that you won and what you did and what you felt. And it relates to a concept that I talked about recently on my show called a confidence journal, where like, you know, when you do something well, like you performed well, whatever it was, you write down those memories and then you can basically re-trigger yourself in situations where you might not even be, you know, thinking about it more naturally, you'll be more confident or better at negotiation in this example. Step two, relationship building. Another critical part of negotiation that happens before you walk into the room is relationship building. Relationships create and execute the deal, not the other way around. Being able to form bonds and talk with people of all levels is going to build you a better rapport and reputation with those surrounding the decision makers. And I don't mean surface value and in genuine bonds, but rather heartfelt and curious relationships. On a basic level, there are certain behaviors we can look for while in conversations with others. By learning how to interpret these behaviors, we can read people and their body language a bit more easily, which can help us decipher their feelings and create a connection built on understanding. Top human behavior expert Chase Hughes gives us his biggest tip when trying to understand body language and nonverbal behaviors. So it's not like learning geometry or some skill. I would say it's more akin to learning a motorcycle. Like we have a lot of things going on at one time and it's best to just master one thing at a time until it moves from the front of your brain where you have to pay attention to it to the back of your brain to where it's kind of automatic. So like driving was really hard at first until you got good at it. And now you can kind of zone out on your way home from work. So it'll become unconscious, but I'd say the most important thing to being able to read people, and this is a skill that everyone needs. Like if you're in sales, you're in the human behavior business. If you're in business, you deal with human behavior on a regular basis. So being able to see this stuff 
and really understand what it means is so critical. I mean, even if it's two thirds and not 90% of communication, like a lot of studies suggest, it's more than half of communication and we almost deliberately ignore it. So I think once you're able to start seeing behavior, just watching it for its own sake and then learning more about it, the first thing that usually happens to people is that it's really depressing because you will see suffering and insecurity and fear in every person that you meet. But in the end, suffering is like the universal law of human beings. Everyone is suffering. Everyone's going through something. Everyone is self-conscious. I've never met a non-self-conscious person. So I think what that does after you kind of get over like, yeah, everybody screwed up, it gets to a place where people are more approachable and they're more human. So it just kind of humanizes everybody. And it takes away a lot of your own social anxiety once you can see how screwed up everybody else is. Yeah. I hope that one day I'll be able to do this. For now, I just need to practice. And I think that you mentioned that using different TV shows is a good way to start getting familiar with everything, right? Yeah. I had a client recently who was training with me and she wanted to bring up her favorite reality show at the time, which was called Catfish. And I had never heard of it. I'm not a big TV guy. But this is a show on MTV where these people pretend to be like a hot guy or a hot girl and like lure these people into these relationships online. And then, of course, it comes up in this big crescendo, this emotional crescendo at the end where there's a big reveal and stuff. And one of the best tips for building strong relationships out the gate is to be fully present with the other person you're engaging with and to focus on that person rather than yourself. Retired FBI agent Robin Drake gives us his perspective on why giving others choice and our attention and conversations can build stronger relationships faster. And it's challenging, too, especially if there's someone we want to meet, you know, whether it's personal, professional, we, we are desperately we want this to work. And when we want things to work, what happens? We get tense. We get intense, you know, and, and the focus is what I'm looking for. I'm trying to think in turn. My brain automatically thinks in terms of how can I convince this person to want to see me? But remember, convincing is about you. You want to inspire inspire that person to want to see you. And inspiration has to come from within them. So if you're going to want to have this person inspired to see you, you have to give them a reason why they'd want to see you from their point of view, from their priorities. And one of the ways you do that is by overlapping priorities and you empower them with choice about whether they want to or not. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior level decision makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with, to look up how to solve their problems, to learn from industry thought leaders. They are in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You want to get them in the right mindset. You want to cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. 
people are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who want to try LinkedIn ads. You can get a $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you want to make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Young and profiters, are you dreaming about starting a course? Do you want to go from one-to-one to one-to-many and scale yourself? If you're thinking about starting a course, then you need to hear about Kajabi. Kajabi is the OG of course platforms. I've got creators in my network like Jenna Kutcher and Amy Porterfield who have been using Kajabi for over a decade. These ladies know what they're doing. They are literally the course queens. And so I took a page from their playbook and I started using Kajabi. I've been playing around with it because I'm launching a podcast course next month and I need a lot of features that only a course platform would have like Kajabi. And they've thought of it all. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. One of the smartest things that I did when I launched my course is I focused on the content. I lasered in on that. I made sure people were getting the best investment they could, that I wouldn't get any refunds, that people would tell their friends, and my course would be successful by word of mouth. And I did that by focusing on my content, what I was good at, and not all the tech. Leave the tech stuff for your course to Kajabi. They are experts in that area, and they've thought of everything that you would ever need for your course. So if you want to start your course, now is your chance. As you guys may know, I always ask my sponsors for a free trial for any software that we talk about on the show. And Kajabi was super generous. They gave us a free 30-day trial that you can get at kajabi.com slash profiting. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash profiting. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com slash profiting. Go to kajabi.com slash profiting and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. Young and profiters, I'm about to be jet-setting all over the world. I'm going to London, Cancun, New Orleans, and New York to speak. I'm going to be up there with the bright lights, and I want to be spiffy. I want to look fresh. And so I'm going on a big shopping spree. I got to get clothes. I got to get hair stuff, skincare stuff, makeup. But I'm not going to feel guilty about this shopping spree because Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Rakuten is the shopping platform for savvy savers. From May 6th to May 13th, they're having their biggest cashback event of the year. I'm talking about 15% cashback at hundreds of stores with additional cashback bonuses. And they've got so many stores participating in their big give week. So when it comes to clothes, I'm looking at Splendid and Good American. And when it comes to beauty, they've got so many good stores participating. They've got Ulta, Fenty, Bobbi Brown, Blue Mercury, and all the products that we love. Now we can get cash back. It's like getting a discount on the stuff you're going to buy anyway. It's absolutely amazing. They even have travel brands. So that's going to be super convenient for me with all my upcoming trips. Expedia, Hotels.com. You can get deals on everything from electronics to home goods to travel and beauty. Young and profiters, you're going to want to grab this limited time deal with both hands. 
you get high cashback rates for only eight days. So hurry, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of the 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app at R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Young and profiters, we are all making money. But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. I'd always forget my Fidelity password. And then I have to reset my password. I knew that needed to change because I need to keep track of all my stuff. Everything got better once I started using Yahoo Finance, the sponsor of today's episode. You can securely link up all of your investment accounts in Yahoo Finance for one unified view of your wealth. They've got stock analyst ratings. They have independent research. I can customize charts and choose what metrics I want to display for all my stocks so I can make the best decisions. I can even dig into financial statements and balance sheets of the companies that I'm curious about. Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Step three, stating intent. So we've done the outside work. We've gotten clear and confident in ourselves and our motivations, and we've built strong, meaningful relationships that tie us to the people we are negotiating with. Next, we need to bring this trust in ourselves and our intent to the table. Negotiating master Chris Voss told us about stating intent back in episode number 23 and why it's important to be clear with what we want during negotiations. I was on the phone with some people the other day. We were doing a training session, and the fine line is... If you need to be liked, then suddenly you're taken hostage by it. And you don't want the need to be liked to take you hostage, but you do want to be likable. So my mindset is like, I will think to myself, I like you. Not do you like me, but if my inner voice is saying over and over again, I like you, I like you. I mean, that's going to come through and I'm not going to take myself hostage by needing to be liked. Mm -hmm. Have a great negotiation or to get what you want but not at the other person's expense. You got to let them know what you want. And some people, if they're taken hostage by the need to be like, they're afraid to let people know what they want. And you can't make a good deal if you don't let people know what you want. You want them to read your mind? That's just not fair. Stating our intentions and goals right off the bat is key. People need to know what we want and why we deserve it. But more importantly is asking key questions. Alex Carter, back in episode number 86, tells us her two magic words to ask at the beginning of a negotiation. First is, tell me. Tell me or tell us are the two magic words that you should use to start every negotiation. Whether you are negotiating with somebody in the home over the home office or whether you're trying to land a six-figure deal during coronavirus. When they did that, The distributor sat back in stunned silence for a couple of seconds and then said, okay, you want to know why you didn't get the deal? Here's why you didn't get the deal. And she gave them the keys to the kingdom. They didn't need to show the pitch deck. They asked one question and then they were silent and they landed the six-figure deal. So 
Tell me, start it with every occasion and watch. You will get the most information and you will generate the most trust from the other side. Two key things that you need for your deal. The idea of using tell me or tell us at the beginning of a negotiation brings us back to why we shouldn't fear hearing no in our conversations. Asking leading questions like tell me or what are your concerns are probing the problem they may have with the negotiation. These questions can then lead them, not you, to diagnose the problem. And then you're given the opportunity to find the solution that is beneficial to all involved. And this brings me to step number four, listen and be silent. In a negotiation, silence is your best friend. A lot of us fear awkward pauses or long silences, and our initial reaction is to fill them. Not being so reactionary and working to listen takes practice, but it is such a powerful tool to gather information in a high-pressure environment. One of the pitfalls of negotiating is jumping right into solutions and not taking the time to find the problem that your counterpart is trying to solve. The more comfortable you're with with silence, the more you encourage the other person to speak and possibly accept your proposal and help solve your problem. It's three words that I would love people to memorize. And those three words are land the plane. What this means is when you ask a question, or when you make a proposal, do not keep talking. Do not keep your plane in the air. I want you to bring that plane in for a landing and allow the silence. You know, so often we're so scared of silence that we end up bidding against ourselves. You know, for example, we'll ask, what do you need to get this done here today? Um, would $10,000 do it? No, right? It could have been 5,000 and you overpaid. Or if this is a job candidate, it could have been mentoring. It could have been vacation. You don't know. So ask the question or make your point and then sit back and close your mouth. The more comfortable you are with silence, the more you'll encourage the other person to talk and possibly even to accept your proposal. Silence is like going to the gym. You have to work out and work up a tolerance for it. And the more you do it, it is incredible how much more money you will make, how many deals you will close, or honestly, how much closer you'll get to people. And there you have it. These were our top negotiation takeaways from some of the most renowned experts in the world. Remember to have confidence in yourself, ask key questions, and embrace the silence when negotiating and having those difficult conversations. I hope you've learned some awesome tips in the CAP Snacks, and I want to leave you with one last amazing takeaway from Alex Carter. You know, another pitfall that people make that we haven't yet talked about is they ignore the importance of feelings. You know, in my book, I call feelings the F word because it's something that folks often don't want to talk about. We think that feelings get in the way of our deals when actually feelings are how we make decisions. Do you know there's neuroscience research to show that people, so this one neuroscientist studied people whose brains were totally intact except for the one part that processed feelings. And do you know what happened? Those folks could talk about a decision all day long, but they couldn't make the decision. So here's what I want people to know. Use your feelings to your advantage. Before you go into any negotiation, I want you to write down, what do I feel? And then write it all down. The good, the bad, the ugly, the stuff that you like to feel, and the stuff that you wish you didn't feel. The reason is that... When you write those down in advance, 
you're going to feel calmer and more controlled once you get to the table. But also, Hollett, there's magic in feelings. Sometimes I'll ask people, okay, what do you need out of this deal? And they'll say to me like, God, I, I don't know. I, I'm just not sure what I really need to achieve. So then I ask them, I want you to write down all your feelings. And then every single one of the negative ones, okay? So let's say somebody tells me I feel disrespected or I feel unacknowledged. Flip those around and that's what you need. You need respect. You need acknowledgement. So take your top few negative feelings, flip them around, and now you know what your priorities are when you go and sit at the table. How did you feel about this episode? Tell me your main takeaway by leaving a review on Apple, CastBox, Podbean, or your favorite platform. This is Hala, your host, signing off.